Philippa, everybody, and Yorana for today, everyone. Welcome to the Fire Knife Live podcast. This is your host, world champion Fire Knife dancer Rex Tiamalu, and today we have a very special guest, one of the most requested of all of the guests on the podcast. Uh, she has performed all over the world. She's a master instructor. I don't know if I'm getting this right, but she's a co-director of Orimanea, New York. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, and also instructor over there at London Hula Ori. Oh, man, thank goodness I got that right. <laughs> and then she's traveled all over the world. She's taught everyone. You know, she everybody that has been on this podcast talks so much about the impact that this woman here has made on the Tahitian community and the Polynesian dance community. Without further ado, let's hear for Tehani Robinson. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's really, really an honor. Thank you. Oh man, I'm 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 grateful too. Like like I said, it's, you're one of the most requested guests. Every time I put a poll out there, who should I get? Like Tehani's hand. I'm like, oh man, this is this is awesome. And plus, we live in two different countries right now, so it's 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 always hard. Yeah. But I'm really glad that you could take the time out and talk to the talk to the listeners today. I'm really, really happy to be there. I'm super psyched. So, <laughs> thank you. Yes, yes. So, well, I think one of the first questions I'm going to ask you is, how did you get into Tahitian dancing, and what made you want to do it, and how did your journey start with the whole uh, Ori Tahiti world and Polynesian dancing? Yeah. Okay. I think it's a it's it's an interesting question because I can't think of a moment where I just jumped into it. I was just sort of, you know, born into it, so I never had to reflect that much about when it started. But um, so I don't remember when I started dancing, but my aunt tells me that it was sometime when I was maybe three years old on the beach. Um, so my aunt is Tumasa Robinson, and she um, is from Tahiti, and she still lives there. She has a big group over there, and she's really the one who taught me everything. I call her my uh, dance mom, um, <laughs> or fa'amu <laughs> mom. <laughs> A substitute mother for dancing but anyway so she's really the one who taught me and um i just grew up dancing yeah and i was very very lucky to have her as a as a mentor and aunt and yeah <laughs> oh man you know i think that's what i love about people's stories is that they're always inspired by somebody you know in the in the chasing mm-hmm. dance world Definitely. when you're growing up like who are who are people like when you were growing up um or groups that you were watching or people that you saw dance that you were inspired by uh, when you were going? Yeah, there were, there were definitely a lot. I mean, when, so my sister and I, um, when we were growing up, so Tumata, my sister's name is Moana, she dances a lot with me. Um, and so we'd always go to rehearsals. And so when we were little, my aunt was um, involved in Otetie with Marguerite Lai and Teike Nohenzo. So we started there and we were little and being behind, you know, dancing and we'd see all of the older um dancers and and so I think those were, you know, my initial really inspirations. Uh there was like Vahiana, um and just a ton of other dancers. Um and then I think a bit later when um my aunt started the Grand Ballet de Tahiti with Etienne Lorenzo. Um, I think really seeing dances like Moena, uh, Nahima, they were just huge inspirations. They were like a few years ahead of me, so I was always um, catching up. Um, and then 
obviously, like Moina went on to with my aunt to, in Tahiti Ora. So then I think I was very influenced by her and her style. Um, so yeah, those are just some of the few groups and um, dancers that kind of were in my formative yeah. childhood years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome because you know I'm in the firelight world. I've heard of all these people. You know what I mean? I wish I would have dug deeper. You know, it's, you talk about Lorenzo and the Grand Ballet. You know, uh, and something about Fire Night that we talk about is that like it always innovates itself. It's always changing. Um, yeah. Where do you feel? You know, the future of Tahitian dancing has uh, will go to because I feel like for me, uh, when I see videos from like the 80s and 90s and now, it's especially the Tahitian dance has really changed. So, yes. how do you feel that has changed, and like where do you want to see it? And is there because I know here in America we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of saying that we try to contemporize it a lot and modernize it a lot. Like, what is your you know, your thoughts on on Ori Taiti now, today? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> I think, um, well, that is an epic question. I have no idea where it's going. Um, I definitely, I mean, it's changed massively. And even you're kind of thinking about taking Lorenzo. And I just remember such a shift, like when there was... Um, when they were around and started the Grand Ballet, and even like around 1998 when Otahiti won, um, I hope it was that year, I believe it was that year, uh, the Heiva, and it was just such a big turning point, I think, in the history of dancing in Tahiti. Like it just got a bit sharper and quicker, um, and you know, going on stage, going out of stage, like everything was just more, um, really like cleaned up and just more fast paced and, um, and already there, like I can remember, I can remember like the first people who started having like insane fa'ara foods. So even the technique has changed so much and tremendously, um, in the last 15 years. And then with the explosion of Uridahiti, you know, in California, Japan, Mexico, and all of that is definitely changed. And you can tell like which dancer has been formed on which continent yeah. pretty much. Um, because there are quite, you know, differences between them. Um, and yeah, I'm not quite sure where it's going. I'll just think that it's a, it's a art form and it's dance, so it's meant to move, it's meant to change. So I personally don't see a problem with that as long as there is, to me personally, like it, you know, and it still needs to be rooted in, um, grounded in the Tahitian culture and, you know, um, as long as you get your fundamentals down and that you know your technique, then you can get a bit crazy and put your own ideas and soul and spirit into it. Um, but I think as long as there's kind of a, you know, um, how do you say, chunk of I mean, a common pool of, uh, <laughs> of things that we can agree on, then, yeah, try is the limit. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, I <laughs> the whole time I was talking, it's like I, I've thought about that over the years, like how things have changed, the technique, and even the way the drumming is. I'm not, you know, I'll admit, you know, like I, I'm not always educated into the Tahitian dance world, but I always see it and I and I love it very much, you know. And so, like one of the questions that I like to I love to ask people because it kind of connects to their why and why they do what they do. But is there an emotional performance that you can think about that was really emotional to you that made you realize like this is why I love what I'm doing, or like a class or something that 
that really pops out to you that really like touched you in a way? Uh, that's a very lovely question. I think there's really several moments. Like I'm constantly, um, I always love it. There's always more things that make me think like, oh, I'm so happy that and grateful that this is my life. That um, my mom's family from Tahiti <laughs> could have been something else. Um, but I remember, I remember the first time I ever danced on stage. I was 14 years old, and it was with the Grand Ballet. Um, and I even remember, I just remember it so vividly, it was at the Beachcomber, which is a hotel in Tahiti. Um, and I remember which costume I wore, it was this beautiful orange more, and I just did like the, the end number, it was just one, towards the end of the summer. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, I remember that moment quite well. Um, and now when I look at the pieces, I'm like, oh, I was such a baby, <laughs> I looked like a child on stage. Amongst all of the, I was always the youngest, so everybody was, you know, much older and not looking like a baby. Um, and so that, that, those are pretty cool moments. Like on stage, I've had a few um, of those. And when I was after my, so I, I was raised in Paris and I went to high school there and I'd go back to Tahiti during the summer. Um, and after I got my French back, which is, well, anyways, high school diploma, I went to Tahiti and spent a year, and I just taught in my aunt's dance school um, and danced with her, with her group, Tahitiura, and then we toured to Japan and France, and that was a really great time. But I just remember like, teaching with her and learning a lot about how she um, teaches uh, technique and all of that and just shares her knowledge with her students. And it was a really, really great learning experience and a great time for me, and we... Um, also worked on her, the show Hiva, which was, I think, one of the first shows of Tahiti Oda. Um, and it was just such a, like, massive show and preparation for it. Um, and it was just lots of fun. I really loved that year. So I think that stands out as well. And then the last thing I'll say that really stands out to me is um, when I'm teaching, I really, really love teaching. So I think I didn't, I didn't you know, competition was never, uh, individual competition was not really a thing in Tahiti. And it's just, really started with the uh, Odita Hikinui solo competition maybe, what, six years ago. Um, so I guess we're not, you know, we're not used to it that much in Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we don't compete a lot, except maybe at the Heiva, but then as a group, so it's very different. Um, and so, why am I saying this? I'm getting lost No, you're now. fine. Anyways, my main... My main point was that I think I'm more drawn to teaching, um, and I really, I really love the moments when I'm just like with students or um, at rehearsals and that kind of, just that kind of environment. And after workshops, like I get such a, a rush of adrenaline when I'm teaching workshops, and then it ends, and I'm like, oh, that was great. When do I do it again? <laughs> um, so those are really the moments that I like, like when I see students happy and pushing themselves and everybody's tired, um, but smiling, hopefully. Like, yeah, those are really great moments for me. Oh, man, I really admire that, you know, because I, <clears throat> I feel the same way with <clears throat> with Fire Knife, too. Like, I love to teach people that. And unlike Tahitian dancing, you know, Tahitian dancing, you have your soloists, but you also have a group behind you, you know, which is like your support system. Fire Knife yes. is all about yourself. It's only it's a lonely dance, you know, and I love, <laughs> and I love what, that's why I, I really love what you're doing, what I see, what you do right now in the pandemic with Zoom and all these virtual classes and all these workshops is that you're bringing more people into it and it shows your passion, which I really love, you know, so what are, what are some things that you teach your students, like, 
like like without the dancing part, what are some like you know life lessons that you've learned doing Tahitian dancing, and some things that some advice that you would give to say a little girl or someone that sees it and wants to try it and you know they they want to they see the competitions they see all these things and they want to get into what is some advice you have for all the the new generation or the new ladies that want to come into this this world of teaching dancing um good question again uh i don't know i say i say you know go for it um i really encourage anybody who wants to try to just give it a try um and so that really, I think, believe in yourself. It's very easy to compare, and, you know, Instagram and whatnot. But um, it's Lola and me who said in the workshop, I think, two weeks ago, you just need to dance better than who you were dancing, you know, yourself the day before. And I was like, oh, that is really great. Like, it's true. At the end of the day, it's just about being the best possible um, version of yourself. And, you know, if you're not and you have a day off, that's completely fine. So don't. I think patience, being really patient and kind to yourself because um, it is a difficult art form. Not It's not easy all the time um, to be on top of your game. So just being kind, patient, and then I say find good teaching. So if you're interested, you know, find uh, a group, find a family, find a community. They bring tremendous support, and I think beyond since the dancing, it's really that experience, as you said, of having a group that supports you. Um, that is really amazing. So find a family and then find, I guess, a good teacher that will uh, share with you, you know, proper technique and all of that. Because I do believe it's important to have really those fundamentals down. Yes. Basics. I love that. Oh, I'm getting inspired and I don't even <laughs> dance to you. <laughs> <laughs> Come. So in the dark side, we yes, have cookies. I will be there. But I wish I would have took it. But, you know, oh, you know, we do it for shows and things like that. So, you know, for the tourists, they don't know. They don't really, you know, really uh, know that they're yeah. what, you're, what it's supposed to be or whatever. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I'll edit that out. <laughs> but, oh. No, but it's, it's very true, right? And it's something that is, is we dance sometimes for um, people who do not, you know, know the difference between uh, Hula or Uritahiki or all of these different islands and I think it's also a kind of yeah I guess our responsibility to, <laughs> to educate people a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's hard yes. yeah well I mean I think something that I've always wanted to ask a Tahitian dancer this question well how do you feel about the Cook Island style of dancing because I love Cook Island style I know it's I don't know if it's totally different you know a lot of uh, a lot of my listeners are like, "What is the, what is the difference in technique and how they do things?" I don't know if that's a question that uh, I could ask. You know, how do you, do you, would you incorporate some of those moves that they do into your creations, things like that, or is it really radically different? I don't know if that's a really open-ended question, but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean to be honest, I want to say you're gonna to have to invite a Cook Island person because I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you too much about uh, the differences. I, I really love Cook Island dancing. I love Cook Island songs. Um, somehow they have really, really awesome, you know, artists and music. Um, and I love their dancing. And it is different on some things, and also the names of certain, like the name of the dance and the name of the steps. Um, 
but I wouldn't be able to tell you specifics because I have never visited Saudi, oh. <laughs> not yet, on my to-do oh. list. Um, yeah, and I don't know that many Cook Island dancers personally, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, something to, <laughs> to explore. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that's what I love about this is that we, you know, we discussed, you know, like bringing, bringing, bridging that gap between all of us, you know, and I love that. And one of the yes. questions I want to ask is what is, how do you deal with the nerves when it comes to, I know you've danced at Haven Paris and all these cool places, but how do you deal with the nerves with the, when you're competing or you're about to have a big performance because a lot of us that dance that we are all competitors and what we do and some of them are really young and really don't know how to deal with like the nerves like how do you how do you deal with with all of those uh, emotions well I I feel like I'm still learning that and I should be asking (laughs) you (laughs) because you and others compete way more than I do so I mean hey bye Paris was actually my competition um yes (laughs) Uh, so, and I mean, it did go well. Um, I was very lucky. I won, I won, I won it. Um, so I went with a group, um, and we did a Nehura performance and, and then I went to solo as well and competed, um, and won as well. So it was a great experience, but I think, you know, it <laughs> happened once. I'm not quite sure that a competition is for me just because, yeah, there's lots of nerves involved. It's a lot of preparation. Um, and I think the stress that you experience there is a bit different than just the stress of going on stage for fun and dancing for shows. So that stress, I'm very used to it. Um, and I guess each time I just um what do I do I think when you're it, it varies a lot so when I was dancing in Tahiti and we dance each week on stage um you just you're used to it because you're prepared and you have a group and you rehearse so the more prepared you are and then the more you do it the least nervous you are so I just say feel prepared know your choreography know where you you go and um and then you just do that a bunch and you end up feeling a bit better um, but the stress that I experienced at Hey Paris when you're competing and now, you know, uh, people are judging you and that type of thing, that felt a bit different. Um, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure how I dealt with that, to be honest. <laughs> I just, uh, I didn't think too, too much of it. Uh, I tried to remember why I was doing it, which is um, I love dancing and I wanted to challenge myself. And, you know, I had never competed and I'd never done improv. It's not something, again, that we're too trained to do in Tahiti, generally speaking. So I just wanted to, you know, set myself a challenge. Um, and that's what I try to remember on the day of, just why I was, why I was there and doing it. Um, and then having a good support system, I guess. Don't. <laughs> not going alone was really helpful and having yeah. a whole team of dancers um, with yeah. you is also really wonderful. It's just, you know, for all of us that, that watch your journey, you know what I mean? We've all seen on Instagram and YouTube and, and things like that. You know, we always see the end result of things. We always see the end performance. We never really get to see the preparation that goes into these things, the hard work and the sacrifice that you make to be in these, uh, to be in these competitions and to be at the level that you are. So, that is that is totally amazing advice. So, um, hmm. oh yeah, let's get into New York and London. You know what I mean? So, 
you know, you, you travel all over the world, you're dancing, you know, you're pretty much dancing and being a practitioner of it. What led you into teaching and, and things like that? I, I dance, but I don't do that full time. Um, I'm also a clinical psychologist full time. <laughs> so when I went to New York, I moved there for my studies. Um, and I remember at the very beginning, I had found, I had met some Tahitians, and I had sent a few emails around, and I was really young, I was 19 years old, um, and I asked uh, somebody that I knew through someone, her name is Kim Davidson, would you be interested in starting something together? I just want to teach, but uh, I can't really cope with the whole admin side of things. And this is this is our biggest moment to Kim and I, is that, at that time, she was busy with graduating and doing, all, you know, she's just busy with life. So, she, so we we didn't it didn't work out at that moment. And then a few years later, she reached out to me and asked me um, if I still wanted to teach, and that's how we started our dance school. But, <laughs> but we were just so we're always beating ourselves up over the three four years that we lost because then I only had a few more years in New York before. Um, I left again, so <laughs> but it's our biggest regret that we didn't start it sooner, but we just started eventually, and it was really fun. Um, I was extremely happy that I could be teaching again in New York, so that was really my first sort of own dance school that we started together, um, and yeah, there's not a big community in New York at the time. There was just one other school, Le Pacifica, and now there's two <laughs> with ours, so I guess on the East Coast, generally speaking, in New York, um, and around New York, they're, yeah. you know, it's much smaller than the West Coast. Um, so it's, it's very, very different. And uh, you're kind of building from the ground yes, up. Yes, so you know, yes. Yeah, I love New York. That place is beautiful. And I'm surprised. I mean, to me, I'm surprised there's not a big Polynesian community over there because of the city. Uh, I can't believe there's more Polynesians here in Florida than in New York, which is a crazy thing to me. Weather. <laughs> it's freezing. It yeah, sense. I went over there last year. It's oh, freezing. I don't know if I, I, yeah. I keep cutting off. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, they're not going there, and I was like, "Well, there is Polynesian groups there." You know what? Are you still going back and forth from New York to London all the time? I am going less, so I try to go twice a year. Um, Kim is teaching, so we still have our dance school. Classes are still running. We realized, so I, I used to, to Skype with them sometimes. Um, but now we realize with this whole confinement thing that, you know, uh, online classes, why weren't we doing that before? So I think now maybe it's going to change. I think I was really happy that I was able to connect a bit more with my students from New York. Um, and have virtual classes with them. So hopefully that carries over. Um, but yeah, no, I still go. I try to go as much as I can, but it's hard because it's oh, yeah. a lot of um, holidays. <laughs> uh, and so I moved to London for my training. Mm -hmm. um, so now I work here. Um, and when I came, I looked up which groups existed and I found London School of Hula and Uri, which was uh, started by Kristen Resnick. Um, who's now a really, really close friend, and I just clicked with them straight away, and I didn't want to start a new school, and I just thought, you know, like, <laughs> I, I want to meet other people who love dancing, and I want to just set up something else, and it's a bit like New York in the sense that there's not a lot of, to me, you know, Polynesian communities here, community. 
especially. So I just thought, I'm not going to divide that into two and start something else that's going to compete. Let's just, you know, join efforts and meet people. And it's great. I do not regret it a single bit. And I found a second family here. And we have lots of fun. We have classes. And it's been a really, really great experience. And it's with some of the girls from London Hula that we went to the Haydai Terrace and then to Tahiti. Yes, that's awesome. So, yeah, you in know, a nutshell. <laughs> what you're able to do in New York and London and show this culture to people over there. You know, I was wondering, besides Paris, like, where in Europe do Polynesians exist or do people even know about us over there? So I'm glad that what you're doing, your passion, your love is going with all the people that you're teaching, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very different because in so in France there's way more Tahitians because of the obvious links between Tahiti and, and France. So they tend to go to France in the same way that um, you know, Tahitians might tend to go to California but not the East Coast. So I always feel like I land in cities and places where <laughs> there's virtually zero Tahitians and there's a very small community and that is I think a bit of a different experience because when I dance in the two times I did workshops in France, when I danced there, I just connected Tahitians uh, a lot more. So you have people who come to your classes who are maybe more, have more of a Polynesian background sometimes. Um, and so, you know, they, they know a bit more about maybe the culture, whereas when you're in places like London, for example, then, you know, you meet wonderful people, but they don't have a connection to it. So then, I guess, it's a bit of a different experience because then you're really trying to also um, somehow share the culture with them and 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 use dancing, you know, just trying to help them connect to that a bit more and show them that it's not just the dancing, but that it actually, you know, is deeply rooted in the culture and the people and the history. Um, and so, yeah, it's a bit of a different Man, I love that. experience, yeah, I, I'd say. You know, that's that that kind of motivates me, you know, to keep pushing this art form, pushing, you know, the, the Polynesian culture out there for because of what you all are doing and what your what your vision is, you know. You know, other than dancing, what is your favorite part of the Tahitian culture? You know, a lot of us think of Tahitian culture a lot especially here in the in the States and we only just think of the dancing. You know, what are what are some things of Tahitian culture that you love other than the dancing? Oh, the food. Uh, I was going to tell you, food. I <laughs> just miss food. <laughs> yeah, I miss eating raw fish and coconut milk. Um, I Yeah, I miss that so much. And <laughs> um, that is just because I'm in confinement eating the same food <laughs> all over and thinking about Tahiti. But um, no, there's a lot of things that, that I love. I think one, one thing that I love is um, the people. The people are really, really kind, and the people are really nice. Um, and I guess growing up in France, where <laughs> French people are not all that, they don't have the reputation of being the the warmest, friendliest bunch. Um, and I and I remember that I always preferred no, to and it was just such a radical shift, you know, going there and then going to France. It was always a bit of a um, black or white situation. Um, so, yeah, people are very welcoming. People are very nice, very kind, and that's something that I think is mm-hmm. quite... Man, unique. I love that. I mean, I, like I've seen, like I've told you before, like I love the Tahitian culture because my friends, 
you know, they're Tahitian and I love that everybody's together and the culture is just so rich and you can see it in the people, you know. Now for you, I was going to say, what is your, what is your next goals? Do you aspire to, um, compete again or, you know, you want to push more teaching? Cause what I've, what we've all been seeing on Instagram, so you're teaching a lot of virtual classes and things like that. Like what is, what is, what is next? Or Tony Robinson. <laughs> what is next? Um, I I have a lot of projects, but they're constantly. Um, I think the focus is shifting a bit. So I love teaching, and I always want to teach. I'm not sure I want to compete. Definitely not as a soloist. Uh, I think I'm too old now. <laughs> um, thanks so much for it. But uh, but I also really love the group experience. So if there's more opportunities like Hawaii Paris, where you can go with a group, um, and I love creating choreography and I love that type of thing, um, and also having a team and and leading that. So that I'm very happy to do. But otherwise, I just I like other mixing things. So I like um, I like music. I like videos. I like photography. So I have a few projects of making maybe music clips. Um, to be determined. So that I would love to do a bit more of. And then just, yeah, maybe, um, <laughs> trying to think which ones I will start today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> too many. No, but maybe things that are more around production or I would love to be more on the creating side of things and maybe, um, creating a show or something a bit bigger, you know, um, and, yeah, I also I also have constant dreams of doing things that connect the islands a bit more, which is why I love your podcast because I think it's so cool that we get to listen to people from different parts of Polynesia, um, Polynesia and South Pacific, um, and yeah, so I'd love to do maybe one day like a performance. I don't know if it would be a music clip or I don't know what it would be, but something yes. that just yes. brings so that way. together a bit more. Yeah, I'm just. So- that is very vague. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm just, you know, just throwing it out there, you know, since you said about mixing cultures, right? If you ever need a fire dancer in your videos, let me know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will definitely, I will definitely. No, but I do think it's a, I think it's, I love watching like Maori dancing, Huda. There's so much to learn from each. And there's such cool things that you could do with all of them together and fire knife as well and all of it. Yes, I would I love really it. Love yeah, that's that. why. That's one of the reasons why like, I made this podcast so we could all kind of merge these worlds together. And I'm, and I'm glad that you are on this because you make such an impact on people. You know, like I'll say this, that you know, I, I know I said it earlier that you are the most requested because, you know, I'm, I'm really like, I'm really inspired by what you're doing and, and a lot, I'm not the only one, you know, you see thousands and hundreds of people taking your classes and being inspired by you and things like that. And I'm really grateful to have you on because it's like having a, it's like having a hero of, 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 of dancing on here, you know? So, so what? I, I think you're well, far too kind, mean, I mean, but true. thank you. Look up to you, know. And and speaking of that, I think one of the last questions I would love to ask you is, um, you know, something that, 
something that I love to ask is because, you know, Fire and Ice dancers, you know, the Tahitian world and the Hawaiian world, they have a lot of stars. They have a lot of people, ambassadors that go out and people connect with them. But in the Fire and Ice world, like we only know of each other, you know what I mean? And we, mm-hmm. we've only been together, you know what I mean? And we only carry yeah. on the legacies of the old guys that came before, well, I don't say old guys, but the ancestors that came before us that passed down this art form and one thing that I wanted to do is bring other Polynesian dancers and cultures to us in a way to, you know, just to make sure that their legacies, you know, are, are still passed on, you know, for this. The last question is, you know, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, mm-hmm. what is the legacy that you want to leave behind um, when all of it's said and done and all of the, you know, when the dust is cleared and all of that, what do you want to be remembered for? What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Not only in the Oditeiti world, but in life. <laughs> that is not profound at all. <laughs> um, I think, oh, I want to say community building just because I do, I do love projects that bring people together and I do really believe that, you know, there is something to be said about dele- learning how to delegate, and and I've always been just around really amazing, brilliant, creative people that I've always been very inspired by. And you can't do it all alone. And it's about bringing people that have very unique set of skills together um, and creating something that you know makes a lot of people happy and that people are involved in and. And that, that's something that I really enjoy. So I think even with the Amuiteto, um project, that was a bit of the idea is there's all of these amazing features and this is a time to come together. Um, and I and I just kind of like those projects that have that um, component, I guess, of sharing and sharing ideas and knowledge and connecting, yeah. and building something not alone together, you know. Um, so I think maybe that's one thing. And also because I do think that, yeah, no, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> I think like, I'm really glad for you to share your inspiring stories and wisdom with us because, you know, something that, that I, I mean, I, I've discussed with you before this, uh, before we start the podcast is that like we see each other all the time on, uh, on YouTube, Instagram, you know, and I feel like we're the same culture. And even though we're in two different genres, like we need to, I want to say spread awareness about each mm-hmm. other because we're not like a, we're not a sickness or anything, but I'm just saying like we all need to come together as people. And I, I kind of didn't like that there was such a huge disconnect between the, this, this community of Polynesian dancers. I think I interviewed someone and they said like, I have no idea about anything about the Friday Night community. And there's something, and I interviewed someone else like, wow, man, I wish I knew more about the Tasty community. Which is a crazy thing to me, you know. So I'm glad that we get to yeah. to do this and and yeah. share things and then get to know more about your wisdom and your knowledge, you know. So I'm really glad. So I think another question I want to ask. I know that was supposed to be the last question, but there's so many things that I want to ask you. But <laughs> but you okay. know, your Zoom classes. How often are you teaching? You know. How often are you teaching and where can people find you? Uh, 
So right now I'm teaching a Zoom class on Thursday night. So that is through London School of Hula and Ori, which short is L Show. So if you go on the L Show website, then you can find the classes. And so that's on a Thursday. Um, and then I've taught on Sundays as well through Amuitato. So I've taught a few class, couple classes there. Um, and that's just, you know, I don't know when the next one is. But yeah, I guess right now, uh, Thursday classes. <laughs> it's 6 p.m. British time, which is not the most convenient for oh, everyone yeah. else. I'm but. so, <laughs> I'm so glad and so honored to have you on this podcast. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I don't know if this is a. Thank you for yeah, having me. I would love to. I mean, I, I, as you can see, this is the most nervous I've been in a, in a, <laughs> in a podcast. I'm gonna say it because you. I know because you're. What did I say? You're, <laughs> you're interviewing me. <laughs> no, and I know there's a, probably a lot of questions that uh, <laughs> there's a lot of questions that I know a lot of people would love to ask. But if we wanted to ever do a part two, I would love that. But you know, something that would I want to ask is, do you see yourself going back to your dance mom's group with Tatiota and jamming again with them, like dancing again with them for Hiva or something? Would that be something that's on your list? Yeah. I mean, that is definitely massively on my to-do list. When I go back, um, so I, I'm very lucky and, and I sort of managed to go back more or less every year. Uh, my parents live there, uh, you know, Tomatoes there, my, a lot of my family's there. So when I go back, the first thing I do is just jump right into rehearsals and if there's shows, then I'll just learn all the numbers. Um, that week and then <laughs> dance on the weekend in the shows because I really, I really miss that. I miss that atmosphere. I miss that group. Um, it's a really sort of a very experience. And like when I'm there, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so out of shape. You know, I just, it's nice to be a student again. It's nice to just dance. It's nice to have like my ass kicked by <laughs> and just be pushed um, and challenged. So, and it's in Tahiti and there's just like, things like live musicians and you know I miss so much the rest of the year so it's definitely something that I that I love finding when I go back um and yeah if if they did a Hava again I would love to do that with them that is definitely top priority on my to-do list the 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 Uh issue is always the same is you need six months to prepare and I'm always working, so <laughs> just need to organize my life. Do you, do you love living in London? Do you like it over there? I like it a lot. Um, I like it a lot. It's a very nice city. It's quite very open-minded. There's people from all sorts of places, which is what I loved about New York, <laughs> except that New York, the quality of life was quite terrible. <laughs> um, so London is like... At, a milder version of New York, but um, people are nice, people are open-minded, which to me is really, really important, and and people are quite diverse and come from different backgrounds, which is also really important to me, compared to, for example, Paris, which I love for different reasons, but it's just a bit less on that spectrum, um, so that's why I also chose London, and um, yeah, no, it's a cool city, makes me come and visit, yes. it doesn't rain that's- all the time, just and I was actually supposed to go there Most of the time. last year to do a fire night for some Samoan opera company, but then something happened. But oh, I, I always forget that. I'm like, man, I wish I would have went to London. I really want to see what it's like over there. 
I, mean, I, I know this is probably getting, I don't know if it's off topic, but how, how far are you from the West End? From the West End. Oh, I'm very embarrassed to say I do oh, not know where the West End is. Um, yeah. I saw the London Bridge. Is that The only thing I know about London is like that Tower Birmingham Palace in the West End. <laughs> the West End is kind of like the Broadway of, of London with all those plays and stuff. And I was like, oh, sorry. I yeah. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, man, I know. Yeah. I said like we had like two other last questions, but uh, what this is, I think this is one of the last questions because I'm very curious about this one. And, and um, you know, everybody that I've interviewed that are, that's here from the States, you know, they, some of them dance from Tawata, uh, but they're from the States. They're from America. So being there, and giving back to the culture that they love to do, like they love to dance, to them was a crazy experience. And for you, that station that has been in Sadie that's danced on that stage, like what is it like dancing over there? So, well, see, that is the, that is the irony really? of it, is that I actually never danced on Tuasa, very sadly. Because, yeah, because it's just, it never, it never works out. I never have six months. You know, I was always in school or I was always working and you just need that time. Um, so I've danced on a lot of stages in Tahiti, <laughs> just never for the Hava, which is, yeah, for now what makes me the <laughs> most sad. But yes, yes, man. Everybody, we're going to root for you to be on there, you know, and I think, you know, I, I think you truly deserve to be on the of everything that you accomplished and everybody that you have impacted, man. I'm very grateful again. I know I asked you like five other last questions because I'm just, I'm just like loving this. You know, what are, what are some memories okay. or things that you want to share to your, you know, fans out there? I don't think fans, but students or anything, like any advice that, what is like the best advice you've gotten from somebody, whether in life or about dancing that you remember? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> you want to help yeah. me out and be, prompt me a bit more specifically? Yeah, just generally. Just I mean, like general advice or you have for, for dancers, especially for people that want to that want to start teaching their own classes and stuff. And people like I, something that I asked Leo, too, is that building, building this culture and building a group and stuff on your own, because I know that you're, uh, you're over there in London and also in New York helping others yeah. and things like that. Like, what would you say to all those yeah. group leaders that, that are teaching and, and things like that, that are, you know, trying to make it as teachers and leaders, like such as yourself? Mm, I would say for those who haven't started. So if, for example, you're thinking of opening a class or dance school, I would just say start small um, because it will grow, but it does take a lot of patience um, and dedication. So, yeah, even starting with like one class um, a week, you know, or uh, just starting small, I think. Um, and then, and then I would say, again, I think it is about the people that 
um, you surround yourself with. So I was really lucky. And in New York, I was able to start it with Kim. And I realized that everybody doesn't have, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a partner that you can start a dance school with. But, you know, you might be really good at teaching, but you might be not the best at admin. Um, and... Or, you know, even having like a very strong lead dancer or somebody who can help you when you want to take a break and not teach or go on holiday, you know, if you have to be absent for a week. And I think that often is like, is um, sometimes a bit tricky when you're, you have your own business and you have to be there all the time. So just having a bit of a support system in place with the dance school, I think does make a difference. And then for people who are there and who are doing workshops and who want to get out there, I just say don't hesitate to make the connections yourself. Like sometimes, sometimes I've had people, you know, message me, do you want to do a workshop? Yes. But a lot of the times I've also just, you know, reached out to organizations, um, cause I was already going to be in California, for example, and then connected with their dance group. So, don't be afraid to make things happen as well. <laughs> Don't just wait. Yeah, I love that, I too. I mean, I, yeah. I love that advice, especially for me. I'm taking it in right now because, you know, <clears throat> I think something that I, we discussed earlier is that, you know, my life dancing, I'm like, station dancing is always out there, you know, so you're always finding a workshop with, like, hundreds of people or 50 or 60 dancers or fire dancers, but I do workshops sometimes yeah. like three people, four people. I'm like, oh, man. Like, like I love what you're saying is that you're always reaching out and creating opportunities for yourself instead of just waiting for the phone to ring, you know? Yeah. Yes. I would, I would sort of caveat it with, I guess, I guess because I also, for example, it's not the case for everybody, right? But because I have another job, um, I have to do a bit wise about how I use my, I basically use my free time to go travel and do workshops. So I also, I've learned that it, it is best to make the things happen, but also find dance schools that have a strong infrastructure in place. Because unless you really just want to travel and get to another country and have an excuse to go there, which is absolutely fine. But, uh, but you know, it's also important, I think, to make sure that the dance school that is going to host a workshop is, you know, has a bit of an infrastructure, has students, is able to organize a workshop and guarantee a certain number of people. Because otherwise you might show up and, as you say, three or five people and then, um, you, you know, you might not, you might not make money at all. <laughs> Worse, you might lose some. Um, so yeah, I think it's just really important that these things are set up beforehand. So that maybe. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm writing, I'm writing this all down too. <laughs> Because, you know, for me, uh, I just want to go out there and always keep going and going and going and push it whoever. But you're right, you know, we've got to kind of, like, make it, let's say make it worth it, but make sure that everything is good, that, you know, that there's people that are going to be willing to take it, you know. And uh, I wouldn't doubt there's so many people that I know that if you just said, hey, can I teach a workshop? I bet you so many people will be like, oh, man, let's do it. Like, man, that's the way. Love about what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm so inspired by this talk. I'm so excited that you're here, and just want to thank you again for, for coming on. This is amazing. 
Well, thank you for having me. I was, I was very excited to come. I was a bit nervous, I'm <laughs> not going to lie. But um, that, it's been really nice talking with you, and I love what you're doing with the podcast. And I really look forward to listening to all of the different um Yes, yes, yeah. and I think this is going to be one of the most popular episodes because, like, I'm so glad that that you can share your wisdom and thank you for for supporting it and for 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 taking the time out. You know, if people don't know, it's like almost what 6 p.m. over there in London, and over here it's like one in the afternoon. So, yeah. so it's good. we're two different times of the zone. I'm glad that you know. <laughs> That we get to do this so man everybody just wanted to you know uh yeah. just wanted to man I, just, I don't know why i'm so nervous being nervous I mean, i've never felt this before with every with anyone i don't know why it's, it's crazy don't worry i'm gonna edit this part out sorry about that <laughs> i'm like oh man <laughs> I think I, I think that you're just such a star. I'm not even just saying that, just say that. But I was just like, oh man, I I never get this, so it's pretty, pretty crazy. But yeah, but everybody, I think you're really yeah, exaggerating. I mean, you're, oh, you're going to edit this whole every, part out. We <laughs> <laughs> so, are like, wow, I can't believe how nervous I am. <laughs> Wrong with me. Well, it's all good, but. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Right after the uh, end of the podcast, then I'll I was gonna ask you some more off uh, offline questions if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. I was I was also thinking like you know you don't get a chance to prepare your answers, but I was also thinking about what you said like a few of the questions. I was like, oh, I should have. Oh yeah, you could. I mean, we could. Like or, we could. So. Like what I did. <laughs> now this is another heavily episode. Heavily episode. But with Mavina too, when I uh, did his, I sent him his copy, and he's like, oh, can we record this part? And we recorded uh, like some parts, and he threw. Like, you don't notice it, but then I threw in some stuff in there that he wanted to get in after, like, the day later. So if there's anything that you would love to bring up, any, like, in, more insight or mm-hmm. people that you want to shout out or anybody else, like, we can all, always re-record it. Because even after this, I can send you this episode. And if there's anything that you want to add or anything you want me to take out, which is going to be a lot yeah. because I'm nervous over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, I don't. I also don't know like what would be. I always think like what is interesting for people to hear is specific. But then sometimes I get a bit shy about being too specific because I just don't want to put a hundred, you know, put in my mouth. Or I'm trying to filter out what I'm saying and watching myself. Sometimes I can get a bit blunt. But uh, but you know, just your question around what do I mm-hmm. like about the Asian culture? I think oh, yeah. so much. What <laughs> I mean, one thing that I will answer. <laughs> Uh, is like, I mean, I think for me, watching it and dancing it, I'm a drummer, I'm a station drummer as well, but do you think that a lot of dancers, they just focus on the moves and they don't really know the beats? That's something that we're just talking about now, but do you think knowing basic beats and all that is... I think... I think they... So I I think it's very interesting, right, what you're saying, because I don't think a lot of dancers will know how to drum. 
Uh, and similarly, most drummers are not dancers in Tahiti. Like, they're quite, for example, in Tahiti, uh, the drummers are drummers and then the dancers are dancers. But, so they don't, they don't really know each other's trades, technically speaking, but then they really know it in terms of, as a dancer, you kind of know any beats out there. Um, so I might not know how to play the instrument, but I will, if any beat or otea song comes up, I usually know it by heart or what's next or because I just grown up on it and heard mm-hmm. it a hundred times yeah, over, yeah. you know. But also, I wanted to hear about, like, the language of Tahitian, of the Tahitian language, you know. I know in Samoa, um, you know, the language, especially American Samoa, it's getting lost. You know, the the real Samoa language, everybody's, you know, just speaking English and then nobody's, like, for you, like, how important is the Tahitian language to the Tahitian people? Because, you know, for me, the only time that I hear it is in songs and things like that. But even my Tahitian friends that that live here, they just speak French to yeah. each other. You know, how important is it to keep that alive? Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's really important to keep it alive. And I think in Tahiti, most people feel that way. But it is, it is. It is difficult. Uh, in Tahiti, people speak French. A lot of people speak Tahitian, but it's also changed a lot. So a lot of people speak a very maybe bad Tahitian compared to before. Um, and they teach it in school, but I think it's optional after a certain point. Um, so it is not automatic that everybody speaks Tahitian. And, um, and I think now, hopefully, maybe changing a time not changing i maybe there's more of an awareness that we have to keep it alive and that also there's maybe something to market to people who dance so there's some organizations that started um that will provide online classes not just to people who dance but just to people interested in Asian culture um, so there's some organizations that will provide online classes and all of that but um but yeah um most people speak French and then Tahitian as well, but to each oh, other. Yes. Also, speaking, I wanted to talk about, and now I'm more natural now than, uh, than five minutes ago, but yeah, 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 I'm still recording. Which I hope great. you're still recording. You can always edit. <laughs> dancing in okay. Tahitian culture, because I feel like, I, you know, the girls will always, you know, will always be more, but you know, there's I, something that I've seen. There's not a lot of Tani that that are in the Tahitian culture. Like, are you? Do you have any favorites from like the old school days, or like, how do you feel about? You know, would you ever think about putting Tani in your groups? I love. Yeah, I mean, I love I love Tani dancing, and when you grow up, I guess in Tahiti with a group, then you have both. But then when you're abroad. Um, in dance schools, it's really difficult to find. There's just less Tami dancers for some reason. Um, it's maybe less popular. I don't, I'm not quite sure why, but so it's very difficult to find somebody who will teach Tami and then also to find maybe more of a market. It's, it's always just smaller. Um, so that's why you don't see it as much in other dance schools outside of Tahiti. Um, 
But I mean, just generally speaking, I love it. I think it's very complimentary. I think it's extremely physical. Um, I have no idea how <laughs> how they do it, but their thighs seem to sustain it. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of dances that I really like. I think especially in in Tahiti, um, like some of the dancers in the group, um, Jérôme, Pimasua dances really well. There's just a lot of dances growing up. There was Ilongo, who was part of the Grand Ballet, who danced really well. Um, Olivier Lenoir. There's just there's a, a lot of men who dance very well. <laughs> and uh, and that's also something that, like, I feel is missing when you have a dance here in London. You know, they've never seen a family dance. <laughs> and then they go to Tahiti and they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> This is how it looks like. And it's all of these things that I really wish I could somehow share with people. You know, those things like musicians or um, family or just kind of how it is and what the experience of it in Tahiti is, you know, is a bit, yeah. it's very Also, different. a question that, pop, that keeps popping in my mind is like, you know, how do you feel about the different interpretations of Tahitian dancing from, you know, from how California does it, Japan, Mexico, you know, from you being on Maui yourself and, and seeing it, they are nice from the people and you, you, you know, the Tahitian way of doing it. Like, how do you feel about the way, the different styles of it, you know, and how are they all? I mean, a lot of people uh, that are like non dancers, yeah. like, oh, what's the difference? But I feel like there is some sort of, you know, difference in style. Yeah, there is there is a difference in style, um, and there is a bit of difference in technique sometimes. And then there's a difference in style, and you might also see between groups. For example, in California, you'll also see differences in styles, and in Tahiti as well, and in Japan as well. So it's not like it's uniform, you know, across the board in one area. And there's sub sort of differences between sub subgroups. Um, but there are sort of, yes, broad differences. And I think, I feel a lot of things for, on some level, um, mo in general, like I, I think it's really great because, um, for example, I think, I think, you know, seeing sort of, you know, Californians are very competitive and they just, it's, it's a training mentality and, uh, and they just, you know, when you see the little children and the level at which they dance, it's just absolutely insane. And it's just like there with eyes wide open. Um, and in Tahiti, I think it, it's cool because it does give a bit of a, a kick, you know, you feel a bit more challenged, like, okay, I need to, <laughs> I need to get going. And I know that when, I can't remember when it was, we were at, um, I think it was Hura Tahiti with Tumasa. She was judging, I think it was three years ago. I can't remember. Um, and we were watching the little ones, and I think it was Hibakatoa. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think it was them. And I just remember, like, it was Moina, Kumata, and I, and we were just thinking, like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> if our little ones had that kind of dedication and training. And it's not that they don't dance as well, but it's just, it's just the mentality with which you train people in, for example, California is very different and it's very, very um, intense. Um, and so they're so, they're incredible dancers from such a young, young age. So <laughs> then you get you're quite motivated when you go back home. <laughs> you're like, okay, <laughs> time to get going. Um, so I think that's great because it, it just, <laughs> it's just a self-feeding loop that where people get more motivated. 
after the only thing I say is sometimes you see things where people might not have a strong understanding of the technique. And I'm not talking about the really good group, but I'm just talking generally speaking. Um, and that's something that gets a bit lost where then um, people might not know actually how the steps are maybe meant to be executed or were or are for the most part executed, you know, in Tahiti. Um, and, and so I think it's always important, no matter where you are, no matter which school it is, that, you know, the technique is sort of well yeah. taught. Yeah, I, I feel like it. <laughs> But it is related. Yeah. No, I was going to say it, it is related, though, because I think um, there's no sort of maybe general consensus yeah. across the board. And it's great if people are doing different things. Yes. But, um, but it's also important to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I mean for us down. in Florida, um, the Chasing community has really pushed us. You know, we have old school Chasing dancers from, like, the 70s and things like that. But there's somebody that's really held the Chasian baton to us is uh, her name's Jilda Piskaya. She she danced in Tahiti as well. And so like we mm-hmm. uh, we were fortunate enough to learn from somebody that danced from Tahiti and, and knows Tahitian culture. So I feel like there's we are rooted in it in a different way. Something that I've noticed is that when I see people in Tahiti, but they're just dancing, they're just having fun, you know you know what I mean? And like what you said about the competitive culture sometimes I feel like it's too yeah. serious, you know what I mean, to the point where, you know, like, even if we're, if, you know, say say if somebody's at someone's house, right, and somebody plays the Pahai, or instead of people coming up and going, oh, and then dancing, they're like, oh, like, some of them don't want to come up because they think it's a competition thing. But I think, I think it's, it's, it's a dance at the end of the day. You know what I mean? It's a, it's an art form that we all should love. You know what I mean? Yeah, competition is great. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But maybe that is more of an indicator of like a, a culture's mentality, sort of, you know, like there's beauty pageants in the U.S. or like there, there is quite a, and training to a certain level in the U.S. So I think maybe there is just sort of a general, it's not the Oritahiki world, it's just a general, maybe more competitive mentality. But you're right, it does it does come out different ways because in Tahiti people are maybe a bit less um, competitive and maybe uh, will get up a bit more for fun. But I think it depends on people. <laughs> and I think for some people, their fun is competition, you know, and when you grew up on it, it probably is super fun and you go with your group. Like, it's not something that I experienced, but I can see how it can be really yeah. fun for a lot yeah, of that's, people. That's awesome insight, you know. And I'm something that I've always wanted to ask, since you are a teacher and you do teach a lot, like, do you still try to perfect your craft as well? Um, you're not just teaching. Are you still, like, trying to be better as a dancer as well? Are you still trying to perfect yourself? Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> I feel like you never, um, you never are ever completely satisfied with where you're at. And I feel like my dancing now is completely different than even two years ago. So I'm always trying to, to improve myself. Um, and I, and I told you a bit before about when I go back, for example, to TCN Sahitiuda, I mean, 
oh, I'm always, I always feel completely out of shape or <laughs> like when I, when I get there, it's just, it's great to be able to follow behind and then learn new choreographies or, um, have Pumata correct some things, you know, and also like taking classes with other teachers. Like, for example, re- just recently with, on Sundays with Amuntato, like it's been amazing to see their process and what they teach and how they do it. Um, and you get something very different from different people, and there's always something to take away. Um, there's always something there's, to yeah, take I away and that, to learn. You know, I think that's one of the things that I love about the instructors. Like every instructor that I've talked about, they, they still are learning things, especially you that are still learning things, still getting better. You know, instead of like, oh, I know everything, because it's constantly changing. So, hey. Hmm. Man, there's so many questions. Yeah. But I'm so glad that I'm so glad I'm I'm picking your brain because there's so many things of the Asian <laughs> culture, especially Asian dancing, that I don't have my opinion on, but I really want to like get out there. Is you know, well, I mean, what is your favorite? Like I know your um your group is out there, but. What is your favorite like old school Tayshin group like the Chaimaibas and Kuranui's like who are your who is your favorite Tayshin group that's either out there now or like even back then? Yeah, I think out there now I love Kiriva, I love um, I love Hey I love Sandrine Richard um, who leads this and kind of her vision very fierce. Um, and what other groups are there that I like? I love Oteiti when they come up for the Heva, but Marguerite Light just, um, <laughs> decided to retire, sadly. And, uh, yeah, there's a few other groups I really enjoy. In oh, the man, heat, I was, was going to ask this, but well. <laughs> we have set you up a workshop here in Orlando, in Florida. Would you be willing to come here to the East Coast? You always go to New York, but come to Florida and we can help you get into Disney World, things like that. (laughs) Well, I'd love to come and visit. It would be really cool to meet in person and to dance with people over there. Um, Maybe it's always the time, that's the thing, but maybe next time I go to New York, I have more time than New York, Florida. So we can maybe organize. Yeah, it's so close. I'd be really happy to come. Yeah, if you're ever in New York and you need a drummer, that would be really cool. I would love to come drum for you guys' classes. Definitely. So bring my stuff up there. Oh, that would be so cool. And such a treat. Like, whenever we have, it's really rare, but I think once or twice in New York we had drummers. And, I mean, the students are just so excited. Um, and maybe even if we did something in, in oh, yeah. Florida, yeah, I mean, I think other things in Sabude would love to, to back you up, fun. you know, with drumming and, and things like that. Because a lot of dancers here, they're all dancers for Disney or SeaWorld and things like that, and also little groups. So, man, that would be such a treat. I would love to, I've been thinking about it because usually I'm the one that set up workshops for like, uh, we had Moana come down a couple of months ago and, uh, we had other people from other genres, but I would love to come and then be the one that brings you down here whenever this pandemic is done. That would be really cool. Thank you. I, I'll definitely remember it for next time I'm in New York so that if I can, 
extended it is, then I'll come. And even if it's yes, a one-night yeah, so, I'm, I'm so thankful, man. Especially, like, Thank you. I, mean, I didn't see you on the message. But I would really love to come there and to London as well and drum for you guys. Cheese drumming and fire knife and all of that and, and get to know that place because I really want to spread this art form. I'll find my own self. Yeah. I mean, we're really happy to host you and organize workshops when you're here. So if you do, if you do want to come, let me know and then we can see what, you know, how to set it up and all. It's not, it's not a huge dance school, which is why like we can't, I don't think we can afford to fly people out too much, but it is still very decent. So like there probably would be like 35 people, I want to say, or for sure (laughs) 30 people attending. Um, so yeah, so definitely. Yes. Also, I think like we've never had. I would love to go over there and teach a little bit of Psalm One dancing before. as well. That would be know, really cool. You know, everybody, everybody here that dances like that wants to start up a group. Most of their shows are just Wulun Tahitian and Fire Knife. But I really want to, you know, spread other parts of Psalm One yeah. culture, you know, to people like, oh, hey, you know. Come on. You know, you guys know this. Well, this is another island you guys can throw into your, to your, into your skills. You know. Hmm. No, definitely. Well, if you if you ever come down, let me know, and then we can. All right. Thank you so much. I know. Well, we were strangers just an hour, two hours ago, and now kind of know each other, which is great. I know. I mean, traveling I'm really uh, plans like, and <laughs> I've never felt this nervous because you know I've, you know, like I said, we've seen, I've seen you all over the place, and I'm just like, oh man. Usually the people I interview, I kind of know them first, except for you and Leo. I don't know if you heard Leo's thing at the end. I was like, hey guys, this is the first time we ever talked to each other. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> it just it flowed very naturally. I think you. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, thank you guys for coming to the Fire Knife Live podcast with episode 14 with Tehani Robinson. We just want you to know that we are so excited for you to come here every week and see the perspectives of the people that are making a big impact in the South Pacific and the world. You can follow me at Rexy2Malu on Instagram, the Mono Collective on Instagram, Facebook, Mono Collective, and also Go to our Mono Collective website. So until then, aloha.